It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. You can find me on Twitter at Nasty Newts, N-E-O-T-Z. Uh, with me today, as always, Joshua Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. Happy uh, tampering free agency extravaganza period, Josh. How's it going? It's been a good day to have NFL Network on because it's been snowing outside here in Minnesota. So that's uh, been a good distraction because I didn't want to look out the window. Um, yeah, it's been a fun day of free agency. Not a bunch of fantasy stuff that's been going on, but but people are uh, spending money that's not ours, and that's always fun to watch. Um, how's your day going, Newts? Yeah, um, I'm. I, this is one of the best days of the year. I, I almost look forward to the start of free agency and the draft and the offseason stuff more than the, the Super Bowl even. I'm a GM nerd type guy. I love the player movement. Gets me really excited. Plus, brackets are out today. Just a really good day for sports fans. Uh, the Patriots are kind of um, going nuts a little bit today. Uh, I guess the, the fantasy relevant pieces they've added, Janu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, either of those moves get you a little excited or no well the john smith move does because um obviously you know new england didn't create rob gronkowski he is one of the best tight ends in the in the world so this idea of like oh man new england's tight end is always awesome is obviously stupid because it was always right. rob gronkowski but i do love johnny as a, as a prospect and i do think it's a team that values that position and that fits you know what they're trying to do. He he can line up why he can you can move him around a little bit in that sort of read option offense with Cam. I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, maybe not the best fit he could have gotten from a dynasty perspective, but uh, I, I I guess I don't I'm not as negative on it as I've sort of seen on Twitter today. I agree. I've seen a lot of negativity on the move for fantasy purposes, and I kind of would push back on that. I I certainly would have been greener pastures, but. Uh, Cam doesn't scare me away from his tight end. He made Greg Olson, you know, very fantasy viable. And granted, that was a different Cam Newton than what's left. But maybe there is some truth to COVID kind of sapping his game because Cam did look pretty good the first few weeks of last year before he got sick. So uh, maybe there was some long term uh, COVID stuff that really hampered his play down the stretch. But either way, I think Janu will be productive there. I think there was a reason they went out and made him their first priority. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I wouldn't change my ranking on Janu, honestly, very much um, based on this news. It's not a massive upgrade for him. Whereas a few, you know, like if he had went to Buffalo or something, I would have been a lot more jacked, but I'm not downgrading him either. The guy that this um, Nelson Aguilar is a guy I would probably drop in my rankings based on today's news. I, I thought he played really well in L or uh, yeah. Las Vegas last year. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't see even a similar level of production for him in new England. That, that's a bit dicey to me, but, um, well, I get, hold on to pour a little more cold water on it. This is news as of a minute ago on sleeper, the Patriots aren't done. They're signing Kendrick Bourne to a three-year deal. Um, obviously, the wide receiver from San Francisco had a couple good games when Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo were down this year. So they're, I mean, they're going out and they're spending a lot of money. I, you know, um, they had plenty of it to spend, but so they've now added a second wide receiver alongside Nelson Aguilar. Now there was plenty of wide receiver spots open. I think um, Julian Edelman is is a borderline NFL caliber player at this point. As as great as he's been in his career, he's it feels like his game slipped a bit. Um, and you know, I feel like maybe both of these players fit this offense a little bit better in terms of trying to get a little bit more vertical in the play action game. 
Um, from a fantasy perspective, neither of them um, get me charged up. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off on Aguilar. No, that's that fine. Was such fresh news, I wanted to kind of get it out there. Yeah, that Bourne deal seems a bit ridiculous to me. It does. Three years, $22 million. Maybe yeah. it's structured in a way where that's not a real number. Um, yeah, it, it could probably just be is, a yeah. one-year deal. We don't know details, obviously. But my instant reaction to that is to kind of barf a little bit. Um, I don't <laughs> see that as really meaningful for fantasy. But uh, interesting nonetheless. At least they're trying to establish a certain identity now. Where the receivers maybe make a little bit more sense than Mr. No Separation and Kill Harry and... <laughs> old man julian at least you know maybe they give cam a little bit more of a chance to succeed i don't disagree why don't we move to something that was a little bit more fantasy relevant and this wasn't news today this was news over the weekend uh aaron jones decided to uh take his talents back to sunny green bay and be uh, a packer for the next four years or um somewhere near that uh this is obviously i think good news for aaron jones but obviously terrible news um, if you've been buying AJ Dillon stock up this this offseason, I actually have one share, but I got him um, in an FFPC league actually via free agency. So, um, it, you know, I wasn't super invested, but I know people are. What are you doing if you um, sort of got gotten your hand caught in the cookie jar with AJ Dillon here? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I would have hoped that most of our listeners wouldn't have been going crazy buying AJ Dillon um, because there was a certain level of uncertainty there. Um, They could have brought back Jamal Williams even, and it would have been bad for AJ Dillon owners. Obviously this was worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, man, I don't know if you're just going to want to sell right away. You'd feel that would compound the the pain even more. I think you just got to hope that, you know, something happens down the road. Like, have we seen the details on Aaron Jones deal? Is it spread out enough to where he's likely to be there all four years? Uh, I don't know. I think you just kind of got to hold and take your lumps um, and hope for him to be what Jamal Williams was. Worst case scenario, you sure. know, the, the 30% back. Well, let me, here's the way I would put it. I, it's obviously terrible news for AJ Dillon. That said, it's presenting, Uh, Yet another really good buy opportunity for him. I look at what, you know, he looks like from a from a draft profile, from prospect profile standpoint, plus what we were able to see in the one, you know, very limited, but one start he got and it was in the snow and all that, yada, yada, yada. We've seen a little bit from him at the NFL level. I think he can be had for a third round pick right now, maybe an early third round pick. I'd even get into the late second. I just look at if you need running back and you're in the late second, early third round you know, sort of area. I think AJ Dillon is a guy who's, you know, gettable for that price. And I think when I look at the other running backs in that range, my guess is Sermon and Jamar Jefferson, who we're both fans of, would be gone at that point, um, at least mm-hmm. if we're talking single quarterback. So um, in that regard, I think he's he's actually a buy because I look at what's available in this class. And obviously Aaron Jones is, is a huge downside, but um, injuries happen all the time at running back, running back is a position that kind of falls out quickly. I'm sure the Packers have that contract structured in a way where after maybe year two, they can get out. So, um, I, I still think this is a buy opportunity for AJ Dillon. And, uh, um, you know, we talked about in the NFC North show, um, this is not going to spell doom for Jamal Williams. I think he's going to be a viable player wherever he ends up landing now. 
No, I totally agree. I, I was talking more from the perspective of the guy that went out and gave up the the one twelve for AJ <laughs> Dillon. Yeah, if you okay. weren't invested, now is a savvy time to buy. Absolutely, because yeah. in the early third round, the, any running back you're drafting, you'd probably be lucky for them to land into a timeshare. And yes, Aaron Jones is definitely the lead in this backfield. They're not going to not use AJ Dillon. He he profiles as a guy that should get some red zone work and success there. So he you know he may just be a touchdown dart throw week to week but um i'd take him over you know a lot of those other running backs absolutely that you would consider at that point in the draft so yeah maybe now is uh, a savvy time to buy and uh um yeah the owner of dylan might just be willing to give up and get what they can for him um yeah and if you're the aaron jones owner go get him too i think that would be smart. that's another yeah good t- good point there i think yes this is now the time to go buy him as the handcuff which is i think more of how he'll be thought of going into this um, upcoming season. Um, I think two other big fantasy, you know, sort of movers that aren't really, you know, fantasy players, but uh, Chris Lindsley, pretty easily the best center on the market, goes to protect Justin Justin Herbert. Um, and the Chiefs signed Joe Tooney. So I think that's, you know, pretty big upgrade for a Chiefs offensive line that could that could use it. But I kind of wanted to focus on both the Lindsley uh, signing for, for the Chargers and, and what that could potentially mean for Herbert. But also they brought in Joe Lombardi, uh, the quarterbacks coach from the New Orleans Saints. I think that's a good hire. I just I, I look at these two moves specifically, and it, it's it's a strong indication, and it's obviously a smart move for them to be doing this. But it's a strong indication to me that they're um, supporting their quarterback, their their the face of their franchise essentially um, in the right ways. We've certainly seen teams uh, fail to do this in the past, and it's sort of cost them good prospects like Carson Wentz or. Um, Andrew Luck, to some degree, I think falls into this category. Um, I'm I'm invested in Herbert, and I it, I was very glad to see both of these moves today. Yeah, I really love the way the Chargers offseason has been going, whether Same. it's uh, hiring Staley. I think that was a really smart coaching hire. Lombardi makes a lot of sense, too. Um, yeah, Lindsley, perfect idea for them. Get the center who can make the you know the line of scrimmage calls. A, a veteran had a lot yeah. of success in Green Good Bay point. on a great offensive line. I love that move for them. Um, yeah, absolutely. Justin Herbert looks like the real deal, but you can't hang him out there with another crappy old line. And uh, really, really, really good idea to get Lindsley. I, I think that made a ton of sense. Absolutely. And then kind of right before the show, Rob Gronkowski also signed back in in Tampa Bay. Um, Maybe just from a redraft standpoint, because I think that's how we're treating Gronk year to year, um, is basically he's a one-year asset for as long as he just keeps deciding to come back. Uh, He's going to finish inside the top 12 this year, yes or no? I would say yes, but it's not gonna it, it's not gonna be a consistent thing. Um, maybe that's just more of an indictment on the pres- position. I don't think it's comfortably in. I think it's. If he stays healthy, obviously, that should be the uh, obvious caveat, but I'd put him 10 to 14. I, I guess I would I would take yes, but it's close. Okay. Um, do you have any other? Oh, I think the last thing we should touch on is Drew Brees uh, finally did announce this weekend that he's hanging it up, that this will be, you know, that he's played his last game in the NFL. Um, obviously, that was sort of the expected move, but I think at the end of the day, a guy who, you know, has pretty much been one of the better quarterbacks throughout basically the time that I played fantasy football. I probably predated his career just a little bit, but um, he's been a, a fantastic player in the league. A, a, you know, Peyton, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Walter Peyton, man of the year. Um, just sort of sad to see him go first off. And then I just kind of wanted to ask you about 
uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, just sort of this offense in general. Um, it seems like Jameis Winston is the guy that they prefer, but he's not currently under contract. I mean, what in the world are you, are you using this as a, as a chance to go maybe buy one of those players? Are you waiting for the news to kind of settle to maybe to sell one of these players? What What's sort of your uh, dynasty um, advice, I guess, on Saints positional players? Yeah, it's a really murky situation for me right now, trying to um, figure that out in my own mind because I have, you know, each Kamara and Thomas scattered throughout my leagues in a few places. But mm -hmm. I'll be honest, Taysom Hill scares the hell out of me as a fantasy <laughs> manager, what to do with um, the pieces around him. I hate Taysom Hill if he's the quarterback. I hate him for everyone else. I don't <laughs> want anything to do with Kamara or Michael Thomas if it's Taysom Hill. Jameis Winston would give me hope, but I don't – I think Sean Payton's just too in love with Taysom. I think he – he wants to prove how freaking smart he is and go out and win the division with Taysom Hill. I think it's an ego trip for him. I think he has absolutely convinced himself that he can do it. Um, yeah, maybe Jace or Jameis comes back, but he would be doing them a favor. He can get more money elsewhere. Um, they kind of did him a little dirty last year by giving the job to Taysom when Breeze got hurt and not Jameis. He came mm -hmm. in there. I'm sure he could have made more money elsewhere last year. I, if I'm Jameis, I take the money. Whoever pays me the most and gives me the clear shot at starting quarterback, that's where I go. Yes, if he was a starter in New Orleans, I would feel pretty darn good about these other guys. I think that offense could have a lot of success. Yeah, does he make those stupid YOLO throws? Might he throw 18 interceptions? <laughs> uh, it's possible, but for fantasy purposes, that offense would be a ton of fun. For Taysom Hill, yeah, if Taysom's the guy, that makes him an interesting fantasy piece, absolutely. He's going to get some rushing yards, some rushing touchdowns, He's, but I don't think he really feeds everyone else. Uh, maybe Michael Thomas, he, he certainly showed um, a propensity to – to throw the ball to Thomas, but um, that's because Thomas was running so many slant routes, short routes, quick, easy one read decisions where mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of potential nuance in their passing game. So I'm scared. Um, and Kamara's reception usage or passing game usage went down to almost zero with Taysom. So that's where I'm most afraid. I guess I would be, I don't know. It's so hard because it's um, against well, yeah, my you nature. don't want to. You don't I don't want to sell, sell low. Um, right. You don't want to sell right now, I don't think. So what I think you're advocating then is, is to wait for the news to sort of calm down for them to either sign Jameis Winston or maybe even wait through the draft and they take, you know, Mac Jones or Kyle Trask with one of their first two picks, something to sort of calm the nerves of fantasy owners. And then you're looking to get out at, you know, maybe not full value of what they were worth a year and a half ago, but. Um, certainly you can still get a good price for both of those players, almost irregardless of what the quarterback situation is. Um, should we get into the, the, the show here? We've got the, uh, the AFC South this week. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm sure we got a lot to talk about on all these teams. Uh, we tend to go a bit long once we do this divisional stuff. So let's dive right into the, uh, uh, Tennessee Titans, the division champs. Uh, they just lost John U. So, uh, a kind of a good transition point for them. Um, sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of what they were first yeah, before well, we dive into the offseason? Well, I think, yeah, the first place we should start is, is Ryan Tannehill. I think obviously he's proven, I think, enough at this point to say that this is this is his team for um, at least, you know, the upcoming two or three years. Uh, he played pretty well to me. Um, I, th I think a lot of what we said about Baker Mayfield a couple days ago hold true for Ryan Tannehill, and that's um, he really should hold a very high value in Superflex, but... 
Um, in an optimal situation, I think you're looking to have him as your quarterback too. Is that sort of how you view, view Tannehill or, or do you see him as a more impactful player than that? No, I think he's the perfect QB too for a competitor in, in Superflex. That's absolutely the Tannehill, Baker, Cousins. Those are the guys I would absolutely love to have be my QB too. I think that's a perfect spot for him on your on your roster. No, and I think yeah, I I really don't think we can really talk about AJ Brown and what we project for him forward without kind of talking about um, the departures that are on this team. Obviously. Um, you you mentioned Johnny Smith. He's already signed. But Corey Davis, it sounds like, is not going to be brought back either. Um, so I think, you know, what was a sort of concerning target volume issue for A.J. Brown, um, you know, just as, as little as a year and a half ago, kind of until his last eight games of his rookie season, um, boy, it seems like he is just about the only game left in town to, to catch the ball. Um should that concern people or should that mean wheels up for one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, in your opinion? I mean, it's not like they're not going to bring anyone else. Sure. In. Sure. So of course. I'm not yeah, concerned. Yeah. I think it's uh, probably a pro. Yeah. He's going to be more shadow covered, but I don't know if that really matters for him as much as it would for some other guys. I think his skill set, it doesn't really, I mean, yeah, he could get shut down by some elite corners, but I think most of his appeal to me is what he can do after the catch. So um, I don't know. I'm not too worried. If anything, yeah, it's probably a plus for him because the volume will go up almost yeah. certainly. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, you, you said it. You can't really double him in, in the traditional sense, in the contemporary sense of, of just putting two people or putting a safety over the top of the corner. Um, just because AJ moves around so much, he's in the slot a lot. Um, a lot of his routes are run over the middle of the field. So um, yeah, that doesn't really concern me. And you're right, they'll bring somebody in. I think, um, you know, I think we both have A.J. Brown ranked as a uh, top four dynasty wide receiver right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I mentioned in the D.K. Metcalf conversation the other day of just kind of both him and Metcalf feeling like they're valued actually below CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson. Um, there's certainly people taking, you know, Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill kind of over any of these players, which, you know, I would disagree with. But Sort of besides the point, I guess the point I'm getting to is I feel like A.J. Brown, despite the fact um, that he's had two almost, you know, um, you know, superstar type years as a, as a first and second year player, I feel like he's still almost undervalued. And it's maybe one of the cases of a of a potential guy to still go out and buy high on if, if your team is in the position to conglomerate some assets into one great player. I think his price is still just about right to go get. Totally agree. Love AJ Brown, one of my favorite players in the league. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't really have anything to add to that. So, um, um, onto the Janu thing, um, people are going to be penciling in tight ends in the draft and all that good stuff. But, um, do we are we sure Anthony Ferkser can't do the job? I thought he looked pretty good. Um, when mm-hmm. Janu was kind of banged up, he shows kind of a knock for or a knack for scoring touchdowns in the the red zone area. I kind of like him, um, you know, in those types of sets. I don't expect him to be, you know, a top ten tight end necessarily, but um, I could see him kind of straddling that line of you know back end tight end one, maybe you know a really good backup for a lot of teams. Do you like Ferkser? Am I kind of talking out of my butt here no i i love what you're saying i think but the the real play on this is is that he's a guy that you can turn profit on especially in tight end premium i think you can go get him for almost nothing right now and you know we'll get to what we did in the mock draft here for this team in a little bit um suffice it to say we did we did sort of address this position but what i'll say is 
even if they were to go out and draft somebody or bring in, you know, a younger player in free agency like Gerald Everett, I think Ferkser would be given the first chance to go win this job. And I think for eight to 10 weeks as potentially the second most trusted target in this offense, I think he's going to be a pretty productive player. And at that, to that end, I think you're going to be able to go sell him at the trade deadline for much, much more than what you would pay for him right now. So I do like um, Anthony Ferkser, especially in that capacity that you can get some starts out of him early, a perfect bridge guy. Um, if you're kind of young at the tight end position. Right on. And I, I know we've already kind of given our opinions on uh, this in the past, but you're still on board for uh, selling high on Derrick Henry off of the massive year last year, I would assume, right? Yeah, well, I knew this was going to come up. And so, you know, I don't want to just blanket statement say that I'm in on the sell. There's probably one or two teams in the league, um, in every league, I should say, that Derrick Henry makes sense for, that they're competitive, that it's, you know, a heavy flex league, that there's, you know, a reason to have Derrick Henry on 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 their team, but I don't think managers are self aware enough to know when or when they're not in that one or two teams. Does that make sense? And so, yeah. as a blanket statement, I would say yes, absolutely. Um, if you're one of the top two teams in the league, and maybe it's a good chance to just pitch Dynasty GM on uh, Dynasty Nerds, if you want to kind of find out your your team rank through the league analyzer, it's a great reason to go sign up for that. But uh, you know if you're looking at your league and you feel like you're genuinely in the top two. Okay, Derrick Henry makes sense for you. Almost anybody else, yes, I'm absolutely cashing out the value at this point because um, to some degree I feel like Henry's on borrowed time. I think if you could get into the top five of this draft and get something added on, I mean, A.J. Dillon and, uh, you know, something small, late second, something, I, something like that I think I would take for Derrick Henry right now. I don't think it would take that much to get me off of him. Okay. Um, before we get into the offseason, is there anyone else that we know is going to be there that interests you for Dynasty Managers? Uh, there as in, what do you mean? On the in, team in already? T- yeah, that's on the Yeah, team not already. really. I guess we could mention um, what was the rookie that they drafted last year, Evans. Darrington Evans? Yeah. Maybe he's still an interesting. I mean, he's practically free right now. I know there was a lot of draft buzz about him. Matt Miller last year liked him a lot. Um, I thought he was, frankly, very overdrafted, both in the real NFL draft and in dynasty drafts last year. Kind of reminds me of Darwin Thompson a little bit, but maybe that's one other guy that's worth mentioning before we sort of move on to what we did in the mock. All right. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, I don't really have much else there, but uh, basically their offseason, $17 million in cap space. I don't know how much of their – um, outgoing free agents are going to use that on, but uh, we already mentioned Corey Davis, Johnu Smith. Also, um, looking at losing Jadavian Clowney, Jayon Brown, Desmond King, Malcolm Butler. I believe they already cut Adam Humphreys, another wide receiver that might be out the door, and Michael mm-hmm. Pruitt. Pruitt um, also kind of had some uh, work in their offense last year, um, so another tight end potentially gone. So um, definitely a lot of pieces to fill here. Um, do you want to get into what we gave them in the mock draft, or do you uh, have any other comments on their free agents to be? Well, I would think a lot of the money that they're going to spend in free agency is going to go to addressing that defense, especially at edge, if they can find a player to go get there. You know, I, I know you've got listed here. Um, Harold Landry is a guy that they potentially look to, you know, get something done long-term with um, in the offseason. Um I don't think this is going to be a team that's super active in, in the offseason. I'll be totally honest with you. Um, but we've seen 
kind of some teams that we didn't think cap was there go out and spend a lot of money today. So at the same time, we'll just have to kind of wait and see, I think, on this team. I think we should get into what we did with them uh, in the mock draft. Yeah, I really liked how um, this draft went for them. Um, We kind of picked some guys that just sort of made a lot of sense for the Titans, especially uh, with our first round pick at 22, Quiddy Pay. Um, just feels like a Titan to me, kind of that big, maybe boring D end. That's not meant as an insult, but just kind of like the guy that I feel like is going to be always really good, but the, the casual fan doesn't really know about, and that just well, then, feels yeah. like the Titans to me. The multi 10 sack seasons aren't there, but I think this is a guy that's going to give you six, seven, eight sacks a year and, and play the run really, really well. Um, I actually, I remember a couple weeks ago, I believe, um, I forget what analysts for NFL Network had it, but they had uh, the Titans trading up with the Vikings to select Quiddy Pay at 14. So I think this oh. was excellent value um, where we got him at 22. Um, and then at 253 or 2.53, so the second round, uh, pick 53 overall, Brevin Jordan. Um, I alluded to the fact that we gave them a, um, frankly, a pretty comparable player to John U. Smith to start grooming um, in this offense as the, the the potential tight end starter down the road. Uh, Brevin Jordan's a guy that we both watched. We both liked a lot. And you actually had mentioned that he sort of reminded you of Johnny. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's a sneaky, good blocker, um, a little bit on the shorter side for tight ends, only six, three, but very athletic. I think it would make a ton of sense for them. Maybe it's just uh, a little bit too of an obvious fit. Maybe they let Janu Smith go for a reason because they wanted a different mold of player, but sure. I think it just, he probably just priced himself out of Tennessee. So I think this would make a lot of sense. Um, I, they feel like a team that wants, they know their identity and they want to remain what they were. So I, I think kind of this type of pick, I it, it, it wouldn't shock me at all. Right on. And then in the third round, at pick 85 overall, we gave him Tylen Wallace, the uh, the speedster, uh, but often injured wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. He had a very um, good follow-up season this year after uh, tearing his ACL in his, uh, what would have been his, I suppose, his junior year um, in 2019. Um, he's a guy that I still, you know, I'm still sort of on the fence about how excited to be, but I think in the third round here, good value for them. Um, and then uh, Tyler Shelvin, the LSU nose tackle, um, can go in there and plug in in first and second down, uh, you know, up the middle for them. He's huge. He's like 362 pounds, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So at pick 100 overall, one of their compensatory picks, uh, Tyler Shelvin. Uh, you got anything on either of those guys? Tylen Wallace makes sense. Um, you perimeter guy, stretch the field. Um, you know, keep the safeties back. They ca- they're going to need that for uh, AJ Brown to be able to run the middle of the field. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, and like you, like him, don't love him, but I feel like this would be a good spot for him. Absolutely. Right on. Well, why don't we move on to the Indianapolis Colts, a team that, uh, to some degree, is seeing a pretty decent amount of changeover, at least at the quarterback position. Philip Rivers is obviously retired. Um, and they made the big splash trade here to go get Carson Wentz in the offseason. Um, obviously, I think enough has been made about what Carson Wentz was and wasn't last year. Um, I guess let's, you know, let's more project forward for Carson Wentz. Can he rebound? Um, and maybe what factors about Indianapolis, you know, would tell you that he can or can't sort of get back to the player we all thought he was going to be coming out of NDSU? Yeah, isn't it a tough question to answer? Because we've seen, you know, all the flashes from Wentz at points to where we know he can do it. But what we don't know is what went wrong. 
like it had to have been something, I don't know, behind the scenes. Maybe it was a lack of confidence. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's just he need. it's as simple as he needs to see a, a sports psychologist to get the, the mentals cool. right. But he has all the talent. And yes, he had success with Frank Reich. So I'm of the opinion that I, I believe he will get it back. I hope he gets it back. Um, but, you know, we don't know for sure. So either way, you're gambling. Um, I, I don't see any reason why you would sell on him right now um, in Superflex. I just think there's too much upside. And, um, yeah, if anything, I, I, I'm you know trying to buy if the price is right. I, I believe that he will figure it out. They got, um, you know, we'll get into this later. We don't need to get into the offseason right away. But they got room to give him more weapons. And I, I think this is going to be a pretty juicy spot for him. Plus, in Philly, um, he had some protection issues last year. And yep. this uh, Colts line is going to be a big improvement over what he had. So I like this spot for him a lot. It was the most obvious landing spot and probably the safest landing spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. You you sort of look at what was going right for Carson when he did have those good years, those flash years, as you mentioned, and it was um, Jason Peters in a very competent Philadelphia line when Jason mm-hmm. Kelsey was much younger. Uh, Brandon Brooks was maybe less established, but a good player nonetheless. Um, they had a very good offensive line, and this Colts offensive line, for my money, is the best one in the league. So I think you can look at that and say, well, there's at least one reason to believe that he can um, get back to the player he was. I think the the part of this offense that I would like to see them add, um, kind of before we get into the offseason, but I think something that's going to be a component, or if Carson's going to get back to that success, will be a component of his success, would be getting them a true vertical weapon. And I'm not saying Mike, uh, Mike Pittman can't do that to some degree. I think uh, that's sort of, I mean, he's more of jump ball than a vertical weapon. I, I'm really looking for someone who can take the top off who can terrify safety so you can run Pittman on those intermediate crossers over the middle. Um, that's sort of one thing I'd like to see them add because it does sound like they're going to lose um, T.Y. Hilton here in the offseason. Um, I think before we kind of keep moving forward to the offseason, Jonathan Taylor, uh, we, we're doing a startup right now, Newts. He went 101 overall. Um, your take on sort of that pick and, and what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor in terms of dynasty value? Well, it surprised me at the time, and it's still not what I would do, but if you have the 101 and you want Jonathan Taylor, sure, you could maybe try to move down a few spots, but maybe don't get any takers. Not everyone's yeah. always no, trying to right. move up. So if that's who you really want, just take them. Um, yeah, it's a, I, w- th- I probably would have still taken McCaffrey, but if, if you're viewing this as, yeah, I want to be good right away, which Taylor can provide, but I, I want a little bit of a longer runway at that spot. It makes a lot of sense, and I'm not going to argue with you if that's what you wanted to do at 101. Yep. Um, it, you know, I, don't, I didn't have a problem with it, even though it was a bit of a surprise. Um, I just... Um, I don't, I, I see why he would do it, man. Look at this line. Look at how he finished the year. He was freaking awesome. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with that. What I'm going to say is, uh, you know, if you can get one-on-one price for Jonathan Taylor, we've already hit the point where I feel like, um, maybe I would look to get out at that price. And yeah. it's not that I don't, I don't love him, but I think, you know, we all drafted him under the premise of he's, his value is going to skyrocket. Or this is this was at least my thought process on this because of where the touch share was at Wisconsin and where it was going to be within his first three years. Um, and I'm not saying you got to go do it this instant, but if you can get 101 plus type, I mean, if he has a top, you know, if he's the number one running back through eight um, eight weeks or through the, the start of next year, I think you're gonna he's gonna be a call your shot type of player. 
Um, mm-hmm. And in that sense, for a running back, when you can just sort of pick the, you know, four best assets off another team and get a yes almost instantaneously, um, that's the time when I look to sell running backs. And so um, I love JT. I think he's one of the better backs in the league already as just a second-year player. But um, this is sort of my overall philosophy on Dynasty. And and so um, just a thought to put out there that – isn't it a bit crazy how different things are valued when you're in the middle of a startup draft than when yes. the rosters are completed and you have all your rookie picks and of all course. that stuff? Yeah. Like, um, it seems way weirder to trade in the middle of the draft. Just like you're, everyone's so unsure of who they are and where they're at. Like, yeah, I, I don't even disagree with anything you just said. At the same time, yeah, Jonathan Taylor could absolutely be. Um, a sell for me right now. If I, I think I do have them in a few spots on a few of my orphan teams and I have considered, you know, trying to sell right now just cause I did have a lot of the same concerns coming in as you did where, you know, Wisconsin ran him, ran, you know, ran him into the ground. So maybe, right. maybe he's not a five-year player in the NFL, you know, or well, he probably will be, but maybe his run at, you know, the elite level is only two, three years. So I don't hate that idea. Right on. And then I think the last guy we should discuss before moving into the offseason is Paris Campbell. Obviously, a couple in now very disappointing injury-riddled seasons for Paris um, has flashed a little bit, especially at the start of this season with Rivers, um, but just can't stay healthy. Are you going to go put out some some feelers for him this offseason, or are you just kind of done with Paris Campbell? I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because I was maybe the number one Paris Campbell fan in the world coming into the league and um, yeah I've been disappointed obviously by you know the the health issues staying healthy but I I still I'm kind of sneaky believing in him again I feel like he's almost certainly going to be one of the top three receivers in this off offense regardless of what they do in free agency so yeah um even though i'm kind of out of the camp of going to buy wide receivers right now via trade just because of the depth of the position i think if you can get them for basically free as a throw-in in in a deal i would absolutely be on the buy side rather than the sell side right on uh well should we get into the offseason then it sounds i mentioned that they're uh they're not gonna have ty hilton going forward it sounds like jacoby Brissett will also be hitting the open market um, a lot of defensive players beyond that. I think maybe the interesting spot um, is Trey Burton is, again, now a free agent, and Jack Doyle is a guy that could potentially be a cap casualty. Yeah, I was looking at uh, kind of their tight end spot. I looked on PFF, and, yeah, they have $47 million in cap space. Um, Jack Doyle, I think, was like $7 million owed with a $1 million dead money. So it would make some sense to cut him. But I think PFF graded him as like the number 12 tight end in the league last year, which was hmm. surprising to me. But even more surprising, they had Mo Ali Cox as the fifth rated tight end in the NFL last year. Um, yep. And that may, that actually, you know, even though the number was a bit surprising to me, I liked Mo Ali Cox a lot on film last too. year. I was sneaky. I sneakily became a big believer in him. So I think they can let Trey Burton slide. And yes, yeah, some people may um, look at the cap and look at, you know, the draft and pencil in a tight end for them. But I, I'm, I'm kind of all in on, on, on the big Mac right now. I, I think I'd be buying Mo Ali Cox. I, I believe in him, man. I like that by by Mo Ali Cox. How about Marlon Mack? Can he is he going to hit the open market, or are they going to potentially bring him back? I've oh yeah, I did put him on there. Yeah, it, it sounds like he's um, um, probably going to move on. Um, okay. 
I've, I've heard some steam about him maybe, you know, even being looked at as a starter. I don't know where, where the right team is for him, but I, I think he's an interesting buy right now off the Achilles. Um, we're obviously going to want to see, you know, if he lost anything from that injury, but right. um, I think it's all going to depend on, um, you know, what kind of contract he's given. It's going to take a team that believes in him um, for him to be meaningful fantasy asset going forward. But if you want to gamble on it right now, I, I think I would be on the betting side. I would bet on Marlon Mack. I liked him as a player and I hope he gets a, you know, a, a chance at a job somewhere. I, I'm just not sure where makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I was a backer of his talent coming out uh, the, the year he came out in the draft and uh, then he disappointed us in year one, but year two, man, he looked like a, a totally different player. And then obviously the disappointing um, Achilles injury this year, um, I, I'm still a believer in that the talent's there. And, and while the Achilles injury for a running back's a tough one to bounce back from, um, yeah, I think there's three or four spots out there where he could be interesting. Um, Zach Pascal also potential free agent. I think Mike, Mike, we didn't, we, we didn't ever talk about Michael Pittman, did we? No, not really. Um, I don't know why he's so forgettable to me. I, I like him <laughs> a lot, but whenever I think of the Colts, it's like, oh yeah, they got Michael Pittman. Um, so yeah, maybe you can buy him right now because I I keep forgetting about him myself. Yeah, I think he's a little bit undervalued right now, and I do think he fits what Wentz what Wentz wants to do. I just think they need to add one more element around him, and I think they will. Um, you mentioned that they have forty seven million dollars, so I certainly don't think that they're. Uh, by any means, you know, going to be quiet in free agency. They're going to spend this money at some point. Um, I just think they're kind of biding their time a little bit. Would um, this be a sneaky Will Fuller spot? That would be a oh, that would be an awesome fit for them. Absolutely, that'd be. A I great just thought fit of that. I was like, wait, you know, I, yes. I'm just listening to you, he feels like the perfect um, third banana for uh, Pittman and Paris Campbell. That seems like a really good diverse skill set, and they got that the money for it. That, yeah, that, that would be perfect. Sense. I like that a lot. And, and you know, you've mentioned, I think, Kenny Galladay as being a potential landing spot here, too. And I think that would make a lot of sense. I think both of those players would fit. Um, and maybe they're just kind of trying to decide um, who they can get a good price on. Um, should we move into the mock draft for Indy? Yeah, um, they only have a first and a second. They're missing their third. So we only got them two players. Um, at 121, we found really good value here. Um in Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Um, we could have gone more traditionally with a tackle because Anthony Costanzo retired, but there yep. had been steam about Quentin Nelson maybe bumping out to left tackle. But I think Vera Tucker, what that allows is it um, gives you some options there. If, yep. if you if you decide Quentin Nelson can play left tackle, and I'm of the be- belief that he could because he's freaking amazing <laughs> at guard. So I'm, I'm worst case scenario, he'd be a good tackle. But you know, I I also think I'd be a little afraid of you got this guy who's great at what he does. Why change? But Vera Tucker could theoretically play tackle as well he could go inside or outside so i think this gives you plenty of options there and i would gamble on at least one of them being able to play left tackle yep absolutely and we mentioned uh actually i don't think we did mention that xavier rhodes is a free agent maybe they look to bring him back but uh in the second round at pick 54 overall uh we gave them a legacy name we gave them asante samuel jr um, a good player, I think, kind of more of a just like his dad, a, a cover three, his zone corner first, a guy that loves to have his eyes in the backfield and um, really jump routes. Uh, he's a good player, and and I think he would fit this Indianapolis team and what they need pretty well. Uh, should we move on to Houston? Yeah, this is going to be a fun one because they're <laughs> they're a really hard team to talk about, right? Before yeah, we they are. 
we don't know about Deshaun Watson, so we could spend all day talking about what they could get for him. We could spend all day talking about how they can salvage this, but really it, it's so up in the air right now. Um, I'm, I'm starting to lean to the fat or starting to lean to the side where I think they're going to force his hand. They're going to make him have to fight real dirty to get out. They're going to yeah. do everything possible to keep him there. I think it's honestly, I, th- I feel like it's more likely than not that he's still a part of their organization, whether willingly or unwillingly come week one next year. Do you have any other take than that? Or um, do you still no. think he's going to get I, traded? Well, I mean, I definitely think that's within the range of possibilities. And I actually, I'm with you. I'm starting to, uh, the, the scale is tipping in that direction. Let me put it that way. I don't know if I'm fully tipped to thinking that that's the more likely outcome, but um, at the same time, I am tilting that way that it's starting to feel like that's a real possibility. Um, I think the two things I would say is, the further this goes, the more unstable he's going to feel and the better buy he's going to be become, you know, the better mm-hmm. buy he's going to become. And I think the reason for that is, and maybe you'll disagree with this, other than Patrick Mahomes, just on talent, a guy who was properly supported um, the way we were talking about Justin Herbert a, a second ago. If he's in that situation, is there a quarterback other than Patrick Mahomes in the NFL right now you'd rather have than the Deshaun Watson? No, and I, I might even... If you gave Patrick Mahomes' team to Deshaun Watson, um, I'm not even so sure he wouldn't be just as good as Patrick okay. Mahomes. I yeah. think he's equally talented. Um, and yes, obviously everything around him is significantly worse. That's why Mahomes is in a tier of his own. But I think talent alone, Deshaun Watson is 1A or 1B. I, I totally agree. And so I think, you know, we talked about this, boy, it must be eight weeks ago at this point where it just, you know, great legacy players like this you know when they when you find buying opportunities you go and attack it and i think right now we're in a six month window potentially for deshaun watson or maybe it's it's potentially less than that it might be a month and a half because i think if something's going to happen before you know the start of the nfl season it's going to happen before the draft um you got to go get them now and i think you know anybody who's um kind of knows what they're doing in dynasty should be going to make offers you know especially in super flex but even in single quarterback i think he's a guy to go buy uh, because he's one of the true difference makers. Um, in terms of the rest of the skill pieces, obviously they added Mark Ingram this year. David Johnson last year kind of um, kind of showed that there's still a little bit left in the tank, but it wasn't something that he was able to um, sort of keep up and maintain throughout the season. Um, they don't have a ton of draft capital, but it is, you know, the the draft capital that they do have is late. So I think they probably add a running back at some point. Is there a guy you're going to put a chip down on in the Houston backfield? Let's start there. I kind of still like David Johnson. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not telling you to spend much to get him, but I oh, think you for, sick a, for David a one-year play, a redraft type player, okay. just yeah. adding a you know piece, I think you could do worse. I think he showed me enough last year to where I, I wouldn't hate throwing him in my lineup every now and then. I, I still kind of like him. I, I saw enough to where I, I I would give him another chance at the right price. Uh, I think this is a, a perfect storm for another Steve Slayton, potentially a fifth, sixth, seventh round guy um, who comes in and takes the oh, job sure. and, and does pretty well. Arian Foster, this is kind of an, an organization that's been known known for this, not to go too far down narrative, narrative street. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I really think this is a candidate for – a rookie back to come in and it's kind of the perfect class for it um, to see somebody kind of come out of nowhere and, and take this job from one of these guys. And, you know, frankly, 
Mark Ingram's a great guy to learn from. He's worked with some good backs. He feels like he always props up his teammates. I, I'm kind of sneaky thinking that this is a great spot for one of these later on running backs to land. Oh yeah. I'm not going to ignore that. If there's someone that I kind of like that falls to them, I mean, they got two fourths, two fifths, or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong two fourths, one fifth, three, six round picks. So I'm absolutely probably going to take a running back. Absolutely. Probably. That's a great phrase, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I think they're definitely going to take a running back. Uh, Probably that six round, those three, six round picks. Yeah. it feels like a spot for one. Um, I don't know who it would be, but um, yeah, I, I think that's something we should pay attention to. Absolutely. That's a good call on Ingram as a mentor. That's everything you heard when Baltimore cut him and when Houston signed yep. him. What a great teammate he is. So um, sneaky good signing for them, even if he doesn't give them much on the field. Um, he should help that locker room out a lot in a locker room that needs kind of that culture change. And I think we both like Jordan Aikens a lot. I think that's kind of the, well, maybe we can talk about Brandon Cooks in a second here. I think we both like Jordan Aikens a lot, but um, without Deshaun Watson, I think, you know, prospects become a lot dimmer for a player like Jordan Aikens, but um, maybe they will find a way to patch this thing out. I don't think it happens, but um, how about Brandon Cooks? I mean, this is a part of the value of all of these players is the fact that everybody assumes that Deshaun Watson is not going to be there. Um, Brandon Cooks was obviously, again, very productive. I think he's, you know, again, kind of falls into this subset of players um, that's perennially undervalued. Um, Do you think he can find a way to do it again? No, that's kind of my take right now. And I've been on the wrong side of this forever. I've always been fading Brandon (laughs) Cooks because he's not particularly the type of receiver that I like. But I think he's such a sneaky buy right now. Um, cause I'd be gambling on Watson coming back. Yeah. And if he, if he does come back, like who else is getting the ball, man, Brandon right. Cooks could be sitting on a sneaky good year next year. And I think you could have him for next to nothing right now. So even yeah, though I'm, I'm not particularly fond of the archetype that Brandon Cooks is, uh, and yes, he's had a million concussions, but if he stays healthy and Watson comes back, you're getting, um, a, probably a top 30, you know, wider. I go higher than that. Yeah, maybe I think even you're higher. A top so. twenty-four. I think you're getting a top twenty-four wide receiver. And what's receiver. the cost? Could you get him for a fourth-round pick right now? Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it feels like my token answer is always, you know, if it's a guy that I like, I'll go as high as a third. I, I think. But to your point, could you get him for a fourth? I think that's where I would start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if you were a contender and you you know you sort of needed a way to fill. Um, wide receiver down the road, or you know, for one season, or for especially the start of the season. Yeah, I think Brandon Cooks makes a ton of sense. All right, um, and yeah, so uh, off season stuff, obviously hard to project anything. Um, right. The big domino with Watson, but they do have twenty million. If they decide, you know, they're going to force this to work somehow, some way, then they're going to have to get creative to bring in some talent to support Watson to try and, <laughs> and make him a little happier. But uh, 20 million is not a great um, you know, amount of money to go out and get someone big. And I don't think this is an organization free agents are going to be calling their agent to say, get me to right. Houston. So I had it's tough, man. It's really hard to project anything, I guess. So um, they're just going to have to have a really good draft. And unfortunately for them, it's going to be all mid round picks. They're going to have to have a really lucky set of circumstances, I think, to be um, competitive in any meaningful way. But that doesn't mean they're a team you ignore in fantasy. No, it definitely doesn't. And I think, you know, obviously this could all change if they were to deal Watson. I think their draft capital would obviously go from, right. one of, you know, probably the worst in the league um, to at least middle of the pack at the very least, you know. But 
Um, I think that's sort of besides the point. I think, you know, when you look at this team, I think they are in need of a reset, but that makes this a, you know, and not just for trying to predict the future, you know, be, be on the front edge of this, of this team. I think this is a team to watch throughout the season in terms of free agency. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some unheralded names, some, uh, what does the Sims get? There's two Sims receivers in Washington that have kind of been doing this for a couple of years where, um, they're just very unheralded and there's nobody else on the team and they get targets. And, um, I think Houston's a team to watch in terms of just one of these dumpster fire teams that, um, maybe not a fun watch on Sunday and maybe not an organization that's, uh, building the right way, but there's going to be fantasy points. Like you said. Absolutely. Um, let's get into their draft. Uh, we did three rounds, so they only had their third round pick, but he is a fantasy name and a name we both kind of like. Uh, we got Amon Ra St. Brown for them at, yep. at 67. So um, if this would be a great spot for any of these rookie receivers in that range, because um, there's a lot of balls to to go around after Brandon Cooks and maybe Akins. This would be kind of an early impact play for me. I think Amon Ra would um, have a lot of you know, immediate success and you could maybe flip that, um, asset, you know, a year from now for even more. So either way, uh, a player we like and kind of a good start for them, I guess. Absolutely. And I think you'd compliment Brandon cooks perfectly. Should we move on to Jacksonville? One of the funner teams, uh, for the entire off season to talk about here. Yeah. I think we're going to probably spend quite a bit more time on Jacksonville. So let's get started. They're, they're fascinating, aren't they? Um, it's yes. almost hard to talk about what they were cause it's going to change dramatically. So um, I think the one guy we should talk about is just James Robinson. And I think right. while we both – tell me if you think this is uh, an untrue statement. We both like James Robinson as a talent. We think he's very good, and we also don't think it's likely that he gets the same touch volume that he got last year. Is that even, fair to say? I, I, I traded for James Robinson like two days ago. I forgot to throw um, – I made like three trades yesterday, and I forgot to put him in grade the trade. <laughs> but uh, – We'll yeah, hold James, him for a different day because I got one too. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, James Robinson, we like him a lot. Um, I just think it's impossible for him to be the clear cut guy to the extent he was last year. Yes. Just when you look at, they have 7,000 draft picks, they have $70 million in cap space. It, it, there's just almost no chance they don't bring in meaningful competition. Yeah. Well, I don't know about meaningful competition. I think he's, He's upper echelon. I really do believe that. I know he's undrafted and, you know. Yeah, but uh, at a certain point, that doesn't matter. Right, exactly. What he's put on tape shows that he's a very, very good player. But I think they can bring in somebody to absolutely compliment him better than, you know, Dario Ogunbowale and um, the Nebraska back that they had there and um, Armstead. I think they can bring in somebody better than that. And I think that's going to mean he's going to get less touches. But um obviously this is a team that's going to take trevor lawrence so i think this offense has a chance to really balloon you know to you know from bottom of the league to at least middle of the league in one season and so um james robinson are you even with the regression sort of built into your mind about what's going to happen from last year to this year is he still i mean is the market overcompensating for that right now is he a buyer is he a sell in your mind 
I think he's starting to become a buy. Like, I'll just yeah. say my trade because it's simple. It was one for one. I was offered Corlin Sutton straight up for James Robinson. Oh, it yeah, that's an, right. Yeah. It was a smash call. I instantly accepted that. Um, yep. You know, for a lot of the reasons I keep harping on is the difference between value and in running back and receiver right now. But I was kind of surprised by that offer. I was like, is there a draft pick hiding in the, <laughs> the fine print somewhere? And I was like, it was an easy decision because, yeah, I, I am a little afraid that they – you know, I was a little afraid that maybe they'd use this cap space on Aaron Jones, but that was dead at this point. And yeah, uh, yeah could they spend, uh, you know, one of their their second first round picks or early second round picks on like a Etienne or Najee? Yeah, it's possible, but I don't think they should. So therefore, I'm gambling that the 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 secondary piece will could be, could it be Jamal Williams? That's sure. what I was gonna say. That's, yeah, that's kind of the actually, route I would go. Yep, that's actually exactly what I was going to say, is that Jamal Williams would be perfect for this team. And it wouldn't mean bad things for James Robinson. I think it would mean good things for Jamal Williams in terms of his value. Um, I really like James Robinson going forward. And to your point, uh, just to get back to your trade, I think the positional scarcity alone makes that a win for you. But I also think that that was an indication um, kind of that Cortland Sutton's still a little bit overvalued, in my opinion, um, in Dynasty right now. Um, but James Robinson is also sort of undervalued. And so, um, go buy him because I don't think the price is as expensive as it probably should be. Right. I would have never thought to make that offer because I would have thought it would have been an instant reject, but the thing is you never know. So try stuff. If there's, you're not going to really offend someone. I mean that badly with a trade offer. So try stuff. You never know. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the rest of their offense, DJ Chark kind of made a little bit of news today, potentially oh, um, right. heading to Baltimore in a trade for Orlando Brown, who wants out of um, out of Baltimore. We sort of, and we'll talk about this when we get into the uh, the draft and the mock draft we did for them. Um, but we sort of treated it like we, you know that was sort of up in the air, and so we did address both positions. But at the end of the day. Um, we could see something before this podcast is even released, honestly, that DJ Chark is headed to Baltimore for um, Orlando Brown. Um, aside from that, it seems like they're not interested in making Chark a, a big focus of this offense. Does that make um, this wheels up for LaVisca Chenault, or um, do you think they address that position via draft in a meaningful way? Well, it's really interesting for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it's wheels up for LaVisca either way for me, really. He's the guy I preferred going in. I might have been on yeah. a bit of an island there. But um, maybe this new regime looked at Chark's film last year because um, it wasn't that impressive. They, no. If they went back two years, I think they would be a little more impressed. So I'm a bit surprised that they would entertain trading him but to get orlando brown i think that would make a ton of sense you know depending on what the draft picks are um, sure sure it, and obviously this is just a it's just yeah, a rumor still but it's it unfortunate seems like that it's, the timing we don't have clarity on it i guess right well and it just seems to be another one of these tea leaves that says that dj chark is not a part of the jacksonville um long-term plans and um in fact as we were you know another bit that broke when we since we've been on the show is that uh the Jags signed Philip Dorsett, you know, and I, it's not a big signing, but certainly. Well, there's more Jaguars be, breaking news. Actually. Oh, what's that? They signed Carlos Hyde. <laughs> okay. And so another good, I think that's another actually pretty good example of the perfect type of guy to bring in. And maybe it's going to push James Robinson's value down even more. You know, I, it really shouldn't. And that I don't doesn't think scare people, me off James Robinson at all. To be No, it's, and it probably but won't it, scare many It will scare off. some, it, it might scare someone, but 
Yeah. Either way, I think he's he's a buy. But you know, to me again, to get back to Chark, I just don't feel like he's a part of this long term, um, the future of this team. But you know, we'll have to see. I think it's a potential spot that they could look to address and address in the draft, even if they keep DJ Chark. Um, not losing a lot here. DJ Hayden and Keelan Cole are their two potential free agents. They have seventy million dollars, so kind of the thought was maybe they'd be in on the tar- tight end market. Um, Hunter Henry's still out there. I think that's a potential. Um, guy they look to go get, but uh, this is a team with a lot of money and a bunch of draft capital um, that hasn't, you know, they're playing, you know, kind of possum right now. They're just kind of laying back and waiting, and we haven't seen a lot of news. Um, but boy, this this could be a big turnaround for Jack. I, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen this many assets just sort of lined up in a row with with, especially when you count the one hundred and one being Trevor Lawrence, one of the best. Uh, quarterback prospects to come out in some time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is um, a fascinating organization right now. Like you said, assets. Totally get why Urban Meyer took this on. Yeah, right. You you basically mold this team overnight how you want it to be. Um, And yeah, I guess Carlos Hyde reunited with Urban Meyer, his former college coach. Sure. So that's interesting. I was a bit distracted while you were talking there by all the hot takes about how James Robinson is dead. So you might be wrong. (laughs) You might want to go target him right now because if people are afraid of Carlos Hyde, eh, he's going to get some touches. That's not incorrect but james robinson is significantly better than carlos hyde at this point in their career so i'm not afraid of that at all um just wanted to hammer that point home um but yeah we can already put trevor lawrence on this team right that you'd be absolutely stunned if they went you know fields or wilson i i just think you'd be i'd be blown away so i would be um, blown away and i think the nfl would be too now we've seen crazier things happen but I think it's pretty safe to say Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. So go out and get your number 16, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguar, customized jerseys on NFLshop.com right now. Um, Mine's on the way. I'm now a Jaguars fan. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, so should we get into their uh, mock draft? I mean, we could guess on free agents all day, but until we know it's not really that meaningful. Just know they're going to be active. They're going to be very active. and, And I think, you know, we highlighted a few of the positions that they could be um obviously in the mock draft as you mentioned we went 101 trevor lawrence not a surprise there i don't think we need to you know really over oversell that one i think there's it's pretty wide consensus that says he's one of the better quarterbacks in a, in a, in a while and that he's the best one in this class but at uh the 25 pick their second first round pick we gave him uh greg newsome a guy who's really stood out in his pro day the other day uh, ran somewhere in the 437 to 44 range um, one of the better corners in the in the draft class, and I think people are finally waking up to that. Um, I think he deserves to go in the first round pretty easily, and this is maybe, by the time we get to the NFL draft, this might be considered a low um, valuation for him, actually. Well, um, don't you think cornerback's such a need for so many teams in the league? Is. Like, he feels, yeah, he'll probably get pushed up a little bit just on positional scarcity. Yeah. Um, but if the draft were held today, which it's not, that I could see that happening for them, and I think they'd be thrilled. Absolutely. And then uh, right at the top of the third or the second round, uh, the pick 33 overall, we gave him Pat Fryermuth. Uh, one of our, well, I'm going to say it, one of my favorite prospects in this upcoming draft. Um, one of the few tight ends we have that truly fits the sort of old school inline Y. 
Um, I think it's something that this team will look to do. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is not operated completely in a pro-style system, but has done pro-style things. And, you know, Urban Meyer is going to bring kind of his blend of um, college football to the NFL. But um, a guy like Fryermuth who can, you know, add some oomph on early downs and then can run up the seam, a uh, really good athlete for his size. I think this is a great fit. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I love Friar Muth. The more I watch him, the more I'm um, mm-hmm. fascinated by him. I've seen some takes where the Jags should use all these assets like 25, 33, 45 to move up and get Kyle Pitts. And I say, no, keep these assets, take Friar Muth and yes. yep. fill more holes on your team. I, I wouldn't move up for Pitts. I like Friar Muth. I mean, I would rather have Pitts in a vacuum, but I think – I, it's too much to give up. I think Fryermuth would be perfect for this team, and I, I absolutely love this selection for them. Yeah, I think in a draft class that didn't include Kyle Pitts, people would be getting a lot more excited about Pat Fryermuth than they currently yeah, cause are. Yeah, because he's not a unicorn like Pitts is, but sure. he might be a freaking Hall of Fame tight end. He, <laughs> he, I, I don't know. That's obviously a bold take. but uh, high praise, yeah. I think he's got everything you would want in your typical tight end, your, your more normal tight end. I agree, and then uh, in this at the end of the second round, so they have a, a two second round picks. I believe this is the one the Vikings gave him for Yannick and Gakwe. We gave him um, NDSU product Dylan Raddins, the tackle, um, and then in the third round we gave him Deami Brown. I kind of mentioned this that we, you know, because we didn't know about how this Chark and Orlando Brown thing was going to shake out, and both of those positions almost irregardless are our needs. I think we addressed it in a really strong way here in the late second or mid second, and then again in the early third. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is going to be one of the, you know, I've said this probably a million times, but one of the more fascinating off seasons to track, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars in, in recent memory too. Yes. Just the amount of draft capital they have, the amount of, um, you know, cap space capital they have, they could do so many different things and don't rule out some big splash trades too. Like the one that was rumored sure. today. Um, definitely pay attention to what Jacksonville does. They could flip from worst in this division to fast as soon as next year, if they nail this off season. Yeah. I didn't want to get too much into this, but you know, Baltimore has sort of been a place that people don't want to see a wide receiver go. Let's say Chark went there. Would you be out on Chark? Yeah. And I, I know that may be overreactionary and all that, <laughs> but Chark's value was boosted because of the Lawrence assumption and him going to Baltimore. I would hate that for him. I have Chark in a few spots and I, I you know, I'm not super, I'm not like overly invested in him where it's going to break sure. my heart, but it, it'll sting a little bit. I'll be kind of bummed. Absolutely. Right on. Well, we are at about an hour here, so I think we should cut it off. That was the uh, AFC South offseason primer. Uh, we have one more of these to do. We'll be doing it on the Thursday show. It'll be the uh, NFC least, excuse me, the East. Um, obviously not the most impressive season, but a couple fun fantasy players in this division. So uh, that'll be fun to tune into. Please uh, join us for that. Um, you can follow us both on Twitter. You are at Nasty Newts, N-E-U-T-Z. I am at Dynasty Oasis. Um, please subscribe, leave a rating and review. Um, check out any of our work on both Dynasty Nerds and Dynasty Oasis. I'll actually be having a Pro Day um, tracker column coming out again this week sometime here, either tomorrow or uh, possibly on Wednesday. So look for that. Um, Newt, you got anything? Oh, you got a birthday to get us out of here on? Sure. Happy birthday, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, RIP, you were a legend. Um, yeah, absolute legend. So, yeah. I saw. I saw a gal uh, when I was at the gas station the other day with a Ruth Bader Ginsburg face mask, and I complimented her on it. It oh, was that's kind of awesome. 
It's like, I kind of want to know where you got that, but yeah. <laughs> awesome lady. Happy birthday. And, uh, uh, Newt's, I'm looking forward to talking to you again on Thursday. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's have a great week, everyone. And, uh, we'll be back in here shortly. Thanks for listening.